Hi, and welcome to the Sports Info Solutions Baseball Podcast. I'm Mark Simon. Hope you enjoyed the All-Star break. Now the fun with the season really starts, and we've got a good episode ahead here with one of my former colleagues. Enjoy. Marley Rivera is the base, is a baseball reporter at ESPN in her 11th year. You can see her and hear her all over the network. She's on ESPN Radio, <laughs> ESPN TV, Baseball Tonight, Sunday Night Baseball, you name it. <laughs> you will hear Marley Rivera. Marley, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm so happy to be with you after all that list. I feel like I should be making more money, Mark Simon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's talk a uh, number of things. You're concentrated largely in the eastern part of the country. They do uh, yes. venture out a bit. State of the Yankees to start. Um, trade deadline coming up is what's wrong with the Yankees at this point. Chasing both the Red Sox you know and the Rays. Fixable. <laughs> well, Mark, I think that if you have the answer for that, you should call the New York Yankees. What is happening to the Yankees right now, and I know that you follow baseball very closely, it's a big mystery, to be quite honest. And then, I mean, it's not a mystery to us who have followed the Yankees for a very long time and know what they do. And what what happens right now is the Yankees have one single formula to win, right? They are the, the team that can mash, that can really hit the ball hard and can score a lot of runs. They are not a team that is fast that is young that is good on the basis that that they can do the other quote-unquote you know to be a cliche small stuff in baseball so when the first stop is not working and you're not winning that way you don't have any other alternatives and at this point they haven't been able to figure out how they can come go back to being that team I mean obviously they come up a really good you know streak right now a couple of winning games but then see how they're winning Mark it's really the combination of the way that the Yankees are used to win it isn't really working right now. They're starting to put it together, but I just don't know that it's a, maybe it is just a little too little too late. Is it fixable by making a trade or two? I think so. I mean, I think that they add, you know, especially some pitching and some outfield help, but then Mark, the problem is that the Yankees are not alone, right? Like at this point, if we take it, let's just separate right now the National League, right? If we take the American League, and I'm going to quote Alex Cora because this wasn't my quote. Alex Cora said, It is full of imperfect teams. And he's absolutely right. There isn't a single team that you can tell me right now that team is definitely winning the American League, which means the Yankees have a chance. The Yankees still have a lot of talent, right? The talent is there. They just haven't been able to put it together. You know, at times Aaron Judge, at times Giancarlo Stanton, at times Gary Sanchez, at times Garrett Cole, but altogether it hasn't been working. So they have a chance to still put it together because the American League is so weak. And I really think that there is enough time for them to just put some some quick fixes in place that may get them to the playoffs. Imagine a scenario for me where they do make the postseason. Like, what's one <laughs> or two things that we will see uh, happen if that's the case? It has to be the outfield. There has to be some solid help in that outfield. They've just really gotten not only the injuries, right? We know the repeated injuries. We know they, they lost their center field at Aaron Hicks to surgery. We know that at this point, Brett Gardner, you know, being 37 years old, even though he really is giving heart and soul for that team, they, he really, it's not working. This isn't the guy. And we know Clint Frazier continues to struggle with his health. That leaves you a very, very thin outfield, particularly when Giancarlo Stan also is not definitely a field player for you all the time. He certainly is a bad for you, but he's not out there on the field, which means that you have one regular, everyday healthy outfield in Aaron Aaron Judge. The Yankees cannot get to the playoffs without any outfield help at this point. Yankees are also 27th in the majors in our specialty, defensive run save. Uh, (laughs) There it is. Another team that, uh, that, at times 
looked a little shaky defensively, but has looked better defensively and has mashed the ball all season, unlike most of the major leagues. Uh, the Red Sox. <laughs> Let's talk state of the Red Sox. Uh, oh. Where do you see them at this point in the season as the trade deadline comes up? It was funny. I was talking to Pedro Martinez during the All-Star game, and he actually told me that he's not surprised about what happened to the Red Sox. And I and I have to say, I was one of, and I'm not patting myself in the back here. You know, that's not what I do. But when I looked at the Red Sox at the beginning of the season, Mark, even though their pitching was suspect, when I looked at it, that's the same lineup. That is an incredibly talented lineup without Mookie Betts, right? We know that. Without one of the great players in baseball, without Jackie Bradley Jr., who we know what he can do with that center field defensively. And we know what he can do sometimes offensively. When he gets hot, that lineup was still incredibly talented. And the addition of someone who's very explosive, right, like Kike Hernandez, or someone who can really hit the ball, even though he's still learning to play Major League Baseball and Alex Verdugo, right, and other additions, and J.D. Martinez is still J.D. Martinez, and Sander Bogers doing what he's doing, and Rafael Devers, pardon me, doing what he's doing, that team is wonderfully talented and also balanced in that lineup, and the return of Alex Cora definitely made a difference. So I've been incredibly surprised, quote-unquote, in a weird way, even though I looked at that lineup and I saw what they could do, but I really, really didn't expect them to do what they're doing. And then the combination of the way the Red Sox had played at one point, they've been kind of slacking off lately, but the way that they had played at one point and the way that the Yankees have not played and the surprising, maybe not so not so surprising way in which the race continue to stay relevant because that's what they do. And then we know what the Blue Jays are doing. I mean, it really is interesting how the AL East remains so open and the Red Sox took advantage of the fact that nobody else was running away with the division. You mentioned Alex Cora. This isn't necessarily a statistical thing, but where has Alex Cora made the biggest difference? Well, Mark, you know, you and I are people who love, you love stats a lot more than I do, but I do love them. And it's particularly when it comes to pitching. I really am a little bit of, of a nerd about all those advanced statistics. I, on the hitting side, I'm a little bit less uh, interested in them half of the time, but we are people that love numbers, right? And, and that is the balance that you have to achieve. And Alex Cora knows how to achieve that balance. Alex Cora can actually translate the analytics in a simple way that is digestible to players that are not necessarily maybe as comfortable with analytics, right? That did not grow up with that. And not only that, we cannot take away the fact that Alex Cora is completely bilingual. And this is a team that has a lot of Hispanic stars, right? And that also really helps. Rafael Devers has a connection with Alex Cora that is basically, this is my dad. And you can see him the way he flourishes with Alex Cora being back. Xander Bogarts, right, has known Alex Cora his entire life. And Xander, who speaks a million languages, by the way, of course, being from Curacao. But uh, Xander is one of those, Aruba, oh my God, he's going to kill me <laughs> by saying uh, Curacao right there. But Xander Bogarts, who speaks all these languages, also prefers to communicate in Spanish. And we know what Christian Vasquez is doing behind the plate since Alex Cora came back. And those are the non-quantifiable parts. We always talk about the quantifiable. The part that is not quantifiable, and sometimes the people that love analytics, including me, fail at recognizing is that human part. And that presence matters. And the fact that you have this trust, and Mark, one thing that you and I have learned in many, many, many years, and we're not gonna say how many decades of covering this sport, is that playing for someone that really cares for you and actually giving that on the field, you know, merely because you care about that person and you wanna win for them, actually matters. It is not quantifiable, but it matters. And that's what that's actually what's happening with the Red Sox, in my opinion. I find the Devers thing particularly interesting because yes. he has improved on the defensive side. He's hit great, obviously, but he's yes. improved significantly on the defensive side. Jen uh, Silverman 
wrote a really good piece. Um, Jen McCaffrey wrote a really yes. good piece about that for The Athletic. All right, one other AL East thing. Can you come up with a scenario by which the Blue Jays make the playoffs that goes beyond Vladimir Guerrero hitting 450 <laughs> the rest of the way? Well, um, what is it in New York? We say location, location, location. So the one thing that I'll say is pitching, pitching, pitching. And um, there, there's a great gentleman who works in Buffalo, the Buffalo News named Mike Harrington, who started calling uh, the, the Blue Jays bullpen, the arson squad. <laughs> and it obviously became <laughs> because they were burning, you know, the team every single time. That arson squad, quoting Mr. Harrington, not mine, please give all the clever, uh, <laughs> the clever comments it. to him. Um, it's the fact that if they don't get any bullpen help, there's zero chance that the Blue Jays have a chance in the, in the postseason, right? Because we know that whether, you know, Alex Cora naming all these teams, the imperfect teams, all these imperfect teams can hit. And one of the teams, you know, except the Yankees, apparently, but all these imperfect teams can hit. And if you don't have good relievers, it is not going to happen. The Blue Jays are putting it together with their starting pitching. They're okay, right? They're hanging in with Robbie Ray. They're hanging in, you know, obviously, you know, Hinjun Ryu has done a wonderful job. So they are actually putting together a starting pitcher. Now, the smart starting pitching, pardon me. Now, the, the bullpen, that's another story. If they don't get any bullpen help, they don't have a chance. Yeah, they were hurt by the injury to Julian Merriweather yes. right at the very beginning of the season. Um, so trade deadline, a lot of imperfect well, teams no, I remember, Mark, they lost Kirby Yates before he even like pitched a, a game for the Blue Jays, right? Yep. Like to use, you know, to UCL surgery. So yeah. absolutely, they've been hit by the injury bug. And we have to be fair, right? They've lost, I think it's seven relievers uh, to injury. So, you know, it isn't always, you know, the Blue Jays' fault, but it is your job, right, Mark Shapiro, to actually build this team to win. And they're not going to win without relief. Yeah, ouch. Uh, trade deadline. Ouch, Mark. Don't call me. <laughs> a lot of Atkins, don't call me. A <laughs> lot, lot of imperfect teams out there, as you said. So where do you think Chris Bryant and Trevor Story are going to get traded based on what you hear? What a great question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right, because you're taking a guess here. Goals. you got to make an educated well, guess. Well, I think the number one thing, I think there's just so much. I have to say that I keep thinking about it, right? And I've been thinking, I've been asked a couple of times, where do you think Trevor Story is going to go? Where do you think KB is going to go? And obviously, I completely agree with you that those guys are pretty much gone, right? Like, that is something I have to say, and, and this is, and you know me, I'm very honest, I don't know. And the reason why I'm going to say I don't know is because the farm systems are so depleted, Mark, and I don't really know what every team, what major league talent they're willing to give up. And that is going to be very, very, very interesting. I do think that the Reds want to reinforce themselves and they are going to be out there in that market because they see the NL Central is winnable. It's the same thing that maybe the Milwaukee Brewers are doing. So those are maybe, you know, kind of the NL teams. We'll see what San Francisco Giants and Gabe Kapler decide to do, right, with the incredible season that they're having. And if they do believe that the NL West, they can get that wild card, you know, assuming at one point, right, that they can get one of those wild cards in the NL, if they're going to commit to it. So it's going to be interesting also to see maybe what the New York Mets do, right? And what happens in the East when the NL East is just so imperfect. Talk about an imperfect uh, division that is winnable too, the NL East. So in terms of the NL, I just see all these teams that need help, but their farm systems may not have enough to go out there. Now, the AL is a little bit different. There's a couple more teams, right, that have a lot more talent in that, in that farm system. That does not include the Yankees, so let's be very careful uh, to say, but those farm systems. So the reason why I cannot pinpoint is because I really don't know where we're going to be in the season, right, in like even a week, where we're going to be with this team's being willing to give up major league talent. I really, really don't know. 
Understood. All right. So it's easy for us to sit here and talk about Otani, Vlad, Tatis, Degrom, Cole, Big yes. Stars. But can you give me a hitter, pitcher, and fielder who you feel mm. have been underappreciated for how they've played this season? I think I had a couple of names in my head, you know, like, especially when you asked me about the hitter. Like, Adam Frazier comes to mind, Trey Turner comes to mind, but I'm going to go with two African-American players that I have such great admiration for who are Tim Anderson and Cedric Mullins, particularly with Cedric Mullins. What Cedric Mullins is doing for the Baltimore Orioles and the fact that we're paying no attention to it is blowing my mind. And the reason why that is happening is because he plays for the Baltimore Orioles. And, it's, and it is one of those symptoms, right, that at one point we, you know, we decided to finally pay attention to Mike Trout because we had no choice. He made himself into the best player in baseball. It didn't matter that he did not play for the best team in baseball. Right. And one of the things that we need to do is pay attention to these guys. Now, Tim Anderson is doing for a very different team that is actually, you know, in that hunt. But Cedric Mullins, I mean, what he can do, how explosive he is, how many games he actually has won for the Baltimore Orioles and what that record would be without someone like Cedric Mullins. is just so impressive to watch the way he contacts the ball. And he actually is an excellent fielder, too. So I'm going to put him on those both sides of the ball. Cedric Mullins and everything that he's doing is just so impressive out there. Such a reward for him to go to the all-star game very very well deserved right as a starter and not only that just I feel that it's getting lost in the story of the Red Sox being so great unexpectedly quote-unquote the Yankees being so awful unexpectedly quote-unquote the Blue Jays being surprising the Rays being the Rays and then the Baltimore just being bad and being rebuilding with this incredible star that if he was in a different team mark the story would be really really different so I think that's the the number one thing for me in terms of hitting and defense, it would be Mullins. Nice. And you'll be happy to know that two episodes ago, Cedric Mullins joined us on this podcast. Oh, I am so happy to hear that. What a gentleman, <laughs> right? It's just, and, and also, and it needs to be noted, Mark, just all the way that he does for the community, too. So this is just a really, just a good kid who unfortunately has become very, you know, a great player, very talented in front of very few eyes. And that's what's the sadness in that, right? It's like the sadness that we had that Tim Anderson did not get an at-bat in the All-Star game, right? And mm -hmm. even the fact that Kevin Cash said, one of my biggest regrets is that Tim Anderson was left, right, with a bat on his shoulder and he did not get an at-bat. That's what I feel about Cedric Mullins, the fact that he had that incredible season last year and no one watched it. And that this year, what he's doing and no one is watching either. Let's close with this. You are someone who is very much a storyteller and a relayer of really good stories from Major League Baseball players. Thank you. Do you have uh, maybe two stories or anecdotes that you've gotten this season, maybe on the subject of defense, if one of them could be, uh, that you find particularly interesting or enjoyable? Absolutely. I have a few. And first of all, I want to say, Mark, that I've gotten some compliments in my life, thankfully, as an all being criticism. There's been a lot more criticism than compliments. There's no single greatest compliment that you can give me that what you just did. So I truly appreciate you calling me a good storyteller because for me, that's all that matters, right? The stories of these people. It's great that we can talk numbers. It's wonderful. And I'm a complete nerd about it. But when you get to the stories, they really matter. And the one that, the, the one, I'm going to do a combined one on defense. And I think sure. you're really going to appreciate it. What Rafael Devers and what, Vlad Guerrero Jr. have done defensively to make themselves into better defensive players has entirely to do with the level of, of fitness that they have achieved. And one of the things that is very, very hard is, um, and I'm just going to you know, try to speak to your audience out there, just imagine being 20, 21 years old, having you know, money at your disposal, being super famous, playing for teams, and at that point, having everything at your fingertips. It's very, very hard to make really, really good decisions, right? And it's even hard 
for a lot of us, you know, even in our 40s, to make those really good decisions. These kids with this incredible talent were tasked with making really good decisions all the time. And that was hard for them, especially when it came to eating, right? So very, very hard to do, especially when you're 21 and there's a lot of fast food out there and there's a lot of people who eat very badly. And the choices that they have made to physically transform their bodies and to physically make themselves into better defensive players as a choice. And the, the fact that they're so young and they figured it out and they, they now they dedicate so much time in the gym and so much time to healthy eating. And I mean, I asked Rafael Devers, how many pounds have you lost and how much muscle have you put on? And he goes, oh yeah, like seven pounds. And we laugh about it because it's obvious that he's lost dozens of pounds and has put on a lot of muscle. Now what that has done, and now I'm gonna go jump over to Vladi, is that Vladi right now could play third base. He gets, you know, he's one of the guys that got selected to the all-star game at first base. And I told him, I said, can you believe this? That you just entirely learned a new position because of your fitness. And now you are prepared to go back to the position that people always said that you could not play because your fitness was so bad and you weighed whatever, 250 pounds or 280 at one point was the number that was out there. And Vladi said, did I show them? And I feel that that chip on your shoulder of being early in your 20s and that story of just getting to this level of fitness and tr transform himself into a serviceable fielder. We're not saying that these are gold glove fielders, right? But don't put it past that, Mark. I feel that I can actually predict that Rafael Devers and, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. could eventually be nominees for a, for a gold glove because of the amount of work and the amount of care that they have in their craft. And I think to do that at their age is extraordinary. Certainly something that you don't think about surface level when you're watching them, but I appreciate yeah. the backstory uh, that you provide, and I think our listeners will as well. I want to close by acknowledging that this was a good week for women in baseball broadcasting. Earlier this week, YouTube had a baseball game broadcast entirely by women. You've certainly uh, had opportunities at ESPN with more to come uh, in that regard. Uh, what would you say now about the state of women in the industry? It continues to be very difficult. It continues to be very challenging. And we should have made more progress than we have, right? One of my, my mentors who are Susan Wallman and Claire Smith, um, I am blessed to have one of the most incredible women and pioneering women in baseball be my mentors. Um, when they talk about the old times, it obviously does not compare to what we're going through right now, but that doesn't mean that we don't have an entirely different set of problems, Mark. And the number one one that, that women have to address now is social media, right? Something that, that Claire and Susan did not have to deal with. And now the attacks on social media, particularly towards women, are vile. So the fact that we are dealing with that other aspect that people don't consider, right? They're like, well, you're allowed in the clubhouse. The guys talk to you. They don't, you know, they put their clothes on before they talk to you. It's, it's the, the extra stuff that we have to deal with now that people don't realize that becomes an extra aspect in your job. But in the end, what I love about your podcast and what I love about what we've done today here is that this wasn't about, oh, I'm talking to a, to a woman who's a baseball reporter and writer, and we're going to talk about her being a woman. No, you and I talked about baseball. And I think that's really what matters, that we stop saying first this, first that, and that we actually just becomes common, right? And it becomes that you speak to a woman who is any color of the rainbow, the same thing with men, right? Any color of the rainbow, and that you actually get to talk about baseball. I hope that we really, really can get there someday. I agree. Uh, Marley Rivera, baseball reporter for ESPN Storyteller. Thank you for taking the time to join us. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. And I hope that it doesn't take us, you know, this long next time, Mark. I know you have a lot more important guests than me, but I'm just, I'm just, it's such a joy to be on with you. And truly, if I can say one thing is that we miss you at ESPN.
Oh, thank you very much. This wraps up the Sports Info Solutions Baseball Podcast. I want to thank Marley Rivera from ESPN for joining us. You can contact us at mark at sportsinfosolutions.com. If you have any feedback on the show, please rate and review us if you can. We normally go every two weeks. Our next episode might come sooner than that, so be on the lookout. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening.